our title today is How to Weaken Your Prayer Life. Does anyone find that funny? It's not supposed to be funny, funny, but, you know, it's, it's not your typical title. Um, but what I want to talk about is how to weaken your prayer life. Um, you know, initially, for me, for years, when people would, would say the topic was on prayer, I did this. I don't know if you've ever done this, but, like, you're in a room of people and someone says this is happening. I just went like this. Just kind of went, oh, no. Like, don't call on me. Like, I already feel guilty enough about the things I forgot to pray about when I promised to pray for someone. Or I'm not praying enough. And I felt this pressure and I felt this guilt when people would talk about prayer. And God has been plowing things up in my life and working in my life. And the last decade or so, I'm just much more excited about prayer. I, I want to, more, to learn more about prayer. In fact, I spent my own money and bought a book on prayer. <laughs> not only did I buy the book, I'm reading it. <laughs> so, now, I have some friends who go away for the weekend and come back and tell me the two or three books they read for the, week, the weekend. And I'm like, I, I never know what to say to that. I go, you were supposed to go away to rest, and you read three books. It's not what I call resting. So, but that's fine. All of us are different. But, but I just have to tell you that I, uh, I'm enjoying this book, and I'm loving this book. It's called Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson. He was a pastor in our church for a couple years, one of the associate pastors. But for those of you who go, I haven't read much lately, just, just so you know, I've been reading this book for three years, and I'm on, I'm on page 120. So I think it's around two-something before the book's done. So, but what I've been trying to do is read and think about a section. So when I see something that hits me, I just stop. Sometimes it's several days before I come back to it. Sometimes it's the next day. But I'm trying to read a book and not finish it, because for years I've read books to finish them, and then to tell someone I finished the book. Like, that's important. Like, they actually care if I finish the book or not. But for me, I want to read this book because it talks about transforming prayer, and I want to learn more about prayer, and I know that my prayer needs to be transformed. Um, and I've been working on that. So yes, it may take me one or two more years to finish the book. I'm not making any promises on how long it takes me to finish this book. Um, our title is the How to Weaken Your Prayer Life, and that makes me think of driving. And I'm sure if you're listening, you're like, driving, prayer life, come on, Jay. Okay, so let me explain. When I drive, I occasionally see some people who have less than brilliant skills at driving. I don't know if you ever had that. Um, I want to say, where'd you get your license? At Kmart? Like, come on. And so as I'm driving, I see people who are bad drivers. You may not notice that. It may just be me. Um, but I know that they didn't get out of bed that morning and go, okay, I'm going to be the worst driver possible. In fact, I'm going to be worse than I was yesterday. Nobody gets out of bed and says, I'm going to be worse than I was today and whatever you were bad at. Nobody does that. Um, and I think there's a parallel for our prayer life. I don't think any of us who are believers who want to follow God get out of bed and say, I want to be worse in my prayer life tomorrow. But some of us do things that actually weaken our prayer life. I know I have. So I'm going to tell you some things that weaken prayer life. If you think I'm pointing a finger at you, I, I may be, but I'm not intentionally. I've done all these things. The reason I know about them is because I've done them. They're potholes, in a sense, in the driving course I've driven into on my own. Um, 
I think we can slide into habits and patterns that weaken our prayer life. So the first one, the first one is Coke machine prayers. Anyone ever heard of Coke machine prayers? Okay, okay, good. So just quickly, in case you've never heard of Coke machine prayers, this is a Coke machine. You walk, and it can be Pepsi, it can be Mountain, it can be Monster Drink. But you walk up to the Coke machine, and you get some coins, or nowadays your debit card, or you grab your dollar bill if it's cheap enough to be a dollar, and you fold the corners back down, and you get that dollar to finally go in, and you you make your selection, and then what do you do? You reach. You don't just walk away and come back in 10 minutes. You reach, and you're expecting what you selected. Now, I know guys are kind of famous for this, but I've seen some videos where some guys didn't get what they wanted, and let's say the word temper tantrum comes to mind. You know, they've pounded on it. They've shook it. They've done things. And I think sometimes, not 100%, but is it possible that we actually treat God a little like a Coke machine and we put in the good things we do I was kind to my neighbor who doesn't deserve being kind. I helped my kids. I love my family. I did this. I read my Bible. I prayed. We put in our coins. We make our selection. We hit the button. And it's kind of like, okay, we're reaching already. And we're expecting, even requiring, God to come up with it. And for those of us who don't get that right away, it's possible. I felt this. I'm like, well, prayer doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. So why would I keep doing this? And a Coke machine prayer is treating God like if we do the right things and give him some of the things that we think he wants, then he's going to give us what we want. Um, That's a way, if you do that, and no one does it 100%, but what if there's a little 5% inside the way you pray that has Coke machine attitude in it? It's worth thinking about. The next one is bossy prayers. I, I know I'm good at this. So some of you may go, yes, Jay, you are good at being bossy. That's not what I mean. But um, with bossy prayers, I remember one day praying, and I kind of ran in to talk to God. I didn't go anywhere, but in my head, I ran in to talk to God. I talked to him for about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, kind of three, four things. And then I said, thanks, got to go. I probably was going to go do something that I thought was really important. But I just remember rushing in, asking that, and I just thought, wow. I wonder if someone was watching me and could see my thoughts. They're like, awesome, God works for you. That's really great. Like, how long has God worked for you? You go in, you tell them what you need, you tell them what the deadlines are, and then you blaze. And I think sometimes we can have bossy prayers with God. We can actually approach God like he works for us. Um, He doesn't, by the way. But I think there's a possibility, the temptation, for us to have a little bit of a bossy prayer. When we do that, we're forgetting some really important things about praying. The next, the next prayer that will weaken your prayer life is mostly crisis prayers or crisis prayers. Some people would call them 911 prayers. So imagine a family that only talk to each other. And I realize some of you introverts might like this for a while. But imagine a family that only talked when there was an emergency. So you get up in the morning, you go do your stuff, you go to work, you go to school, you go do all those things. And you don't actually talk to anyone in the family until there's a crisis. The family wouldn't work, would it? Um, In my house, we talk right away when we wake up. My wife is a morning person. I'm not a morning person. She talks before I'm ready to talk even. And so we talk right away. And our relationship, our connection 
is built on not just the crisis. It's when I have a crisis, I talk to her. But our relationship is built on more than just crisis. And if your time with the Lord, if you're honest, take a moment to think. Do I actually go to God mostly with just stuff that's urgent? That stuff's an, almost a 911. If you're doing that, and that's all you're doing, that that'll weaken your prayer life. Let's go on. The last one is no time just to be. Okay, that's not very good English, so let me explain it. Um, I really believe that God wants us to be with him. He wants us not just to ask for things, but to be with him, to hang out with him. So, so let me give you a picture to see if you like this, see if this helps get your mind going. Um, picture a dad, a good dad. Picture a good dad sitting down for a moment to watch some TV. And one of the kids, guy or girl, doesn't matter, son or daughter, one of the kids comes up and plops right down by him. What's the first thing dad wonders? Well, in my story, dad wonders what you want. Okay? No offense. Dad wonders what do you want. So he's kind of polite, and he says, instead of what do you want, he goes, what's up? Which is kind of the same thing, only it's a little benefit of the doubt. He gives him the benefit of the doubt. He goes, what's up? And the son or daughter goes, nothing. Just want to sit and watch TV with you. Now picture that dad. Has he got a smile on his face? I think so. I think he's like, I got my son or my daughter sitting by me who just wants to be with me. They don't even like this TV show. They just sit down to be with me. And I think God wants us to be with him too. And so if in your prayers you find yourself with no time to be with God, and it's just asking, and it's just crises, and it's just those things, I think you're missing something. Um, in, in a family, in a relationship, in a marriage, if you're never just with that person, without, hey, by the way, Jerry, can you get this, this, and this done for me? And I got to go, thanks, bye. Like, that's not a marriage. Looks like she worked for me. You know, she wants me to be with her. And I really believe our, our fathers want their kids just occasionally to be with them. Don't fix something. Don't ask me something. Don't tell me you blew something. Just sit with me occasionally. Obviously, you can't do that all the time. Obviously, the kids can't do that all the time. But I, I believe that if you have no time to just be with God, it'll weaken your prayer life. So let's look at things that strengthen. All of us know we need a good foundation. It's not rocket science. I remember years ago when the office was just a house, and then they decided to build the extension out the back, and there's a three-story building now that... If you just came here the last few years, you just think it's always been there. It was a house. Now there's a building. I remember when the block was being laid in the concrete. Remember how precise they were with making sure those... Nobody asked me, by the way. No one asked me to help make sure that was exactly right. There were other people far more skilled than me to do that. But I remember watching how careful they were and how hard they worked on making sure the block and the concrete was just right. And we didn't get cheap concrete. We didn't, you know, only put an inch thick. We did it exactly to spec. We built a strong foundation. And one of the things I think that strengthens your prayer life is a strong foundation. Now some of you may go, gee, I didn't know I was supposed to have a foundation for my prayer life. Well, I think we have a foundation for everything. You may or may not agree with me, 
So I have a foundation for the way I drive. Some days it looks like the foundation for my drive is get out of my way, I'm important. But I still have a foundation that day. Some days the found, my foundation for driving is I'm willing to let you in. I'm not the center of the universe. Please go ahead of me. But we all have a foundation we don't think about that really operates how we act. And if we're going to have a, a prayer life that's strong, and we're going to strengthen our prayer life, if we love God and want to follow God more, we need a stronger connection with God. Just like in a marriage, just like in a family, without a good connection, there's no strength. And so a good foundation is really important. For me, I looked at my foundation and I realized I felt guilty, I felt pressure, I felt stress. I was like, I, I don't want to hear more about prayer because I'm already failing. Why would I want to hear more about what to do? I already know the things I'm doing wrong and I'm still not fixing those things. And for me, I had to redo some of my foundation in prayer. And one of the things that God's been doing is he's been plowing things up in my life and teaching me things. And one of them is in prayer. Galatians 5.1 is part of my foundation. Now, you may use other principles in Scripture for your foundation. Your weaknesses aren't mine. My weaknesses may not be yours. We may share some. But you may need a different foundation than I do. But this is one of the ones that I've newly added to my prayer foundation. It says... It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So let's look a little more carefully at that. Let's look at the next slide. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Does anyone want to be free? It makes me think of Mel Gibson in a movie. Freedom. And it's worth fighting for. It's worth doing something about. Freedom's a really cool thing. The Greek actually talks about liberty, making someone free, to be at liberty. In the military, when they get some time off, they're on liberty. It's freedom. And I love this verse. It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not for the would've, should've, could've, I could've been better. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. It also gives me responsibility. It says, stand firm. It's not just stuff that God gave me. I have responsibility to stand firm and do not let myself. The yoke of slavery refers back when Paul was talking about the Jewish rules and, the, and all the regulations. But we have rules. I have friends who grew up in the church. They can't, they can't play cards. It's still weird for them to play cards because they were told not to play cards. There's rules in our world. I'm not wearing shorts and a tank top. There's rules for being up front. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there's expectations and rules everywhere we go. Um, and that's that yoke of slavery. And I love the fact that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Occasionally, Jerry and I, my wife, will be talking and we'll just go, yeah, it's for freedom. We just, we use that phrase, it's for freedom. Because sometimes I feel this pressure to do or be the kind of person that people want me to be. And it's for freedom that Christ set me free. I love it that it's not for responsibility. It's not for harder work. It's not for a lot of things. For pressure. For a regret phase. I regret that I feel bad about what I... No, I love that. This for me is a new piece of my foundation. Now, you need to build your own foundation. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You and the Lord and your heart need to figure out what are the things you hold on to as, as a foundation for your prayer life. But that will strengthen it. If you are building a strong foundation for your prayer life... It'll sit on something that doesn't move. That office over there, I've been in it. I've been in it with 50 people upstairs moving around. It doesn't move. 
It was built well on a foundation. But foundations, they don't just happen. You're going to have to build your own foundation. I can't build you. I'm building mine. This book is, is encouraging me to think about what are my preconceptions? What, what do I believe about stuff about God and praying? And why do I feel guilty and pressure every time someone says, hey, the topic's unfair, and I'm like, oh, no, here it goes. I don't do that anymore. I actually lean forward now. I like, I bought a book. I like, and I want to learn about prayer. So some more things that strengthen. One is pray everything. The next one is focus on who God is. The next one is slices of biblical prayers. We'll go into details in just a minute on those. So I pray everything. Pray about everything. At summer camp, when I was a counselor, um, I was actually the crew chief leader, but it was like being a counselor for the high school boys um, that worked on the work crew. One night, I was tired. I had been a little grouchy that day. I don't know, anyone ever struggled with grouchy? Don't raise your hand. Anyone ever struggled with grouchy? I've been grouchy. So it's at camp. I'm tired. The boys are asleep. It's late. I got like six hours. I got to get up again. Um, and it's work camp, and we're working. And I'm just laying in bed, and I hear this. A little mosquito found me. No problem. I grabbed a T-shirt that was on the floor. Yes, there were T-shirts on the floor in my room. There were, my room was a mess. All these boys in my room. And I went like this, and I threw it around to get rid of, to create air and wind to get rid of this mosquito. I was fine. Ten seconds later, two mosquitoes. Two of them are found me. I'm like, this is, Lord, I have to sleep. Like, if I don't get any more sleep, these guys will have a lousy day because I will be grouchy all day. I have a good reason. I'm trying to convince the Lord to get rid of my mosquito. And um, I don't know what happened. I said, Lord, I don't care if they bite me. Just make them go away. Kill them as far as I'm concerned. I need these mosquitoes gone. Well, I did fall asleep. I don't know what God did. But I do know that God wasn't mad in heaven going, Oh, Jay, come on, don't pray about mosquitoes. Get a life. You know. No, come on, Jay, not again. The mosquito prayer. Not again. He wasn't doing that. Um, he wants us to pray about everything. Let's take a look at Philippians 6. I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I like that, every, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, this isn't a new verse to you, and there's many verses that talk about praying about all things, but I love this. It says in every situation, gives me freedom. I can, I can define every situation in the really important things with my family and in mosquitoes and everything in between. By prayer and petition, it's almost like that's a packaged tool. I use this tool of prayer and petition to give my request to God. Now, we know about prayer, but, but the word petition is actually someone who has authority to give you something that you petition. Well, that's who God is. Remembering who God is. I petition God. I petition for mosquitoes, maybe politely, maybe not. Maybe he killed them, maybe they just bit me. I don't know, but I was able to sleep. But we can petition God. We should beg God. Some things are so important in your life, they're going so badly, that you need to beg God for help. That's petitioning. You need to ask God to care for you. And the cool thing is, is the Bible says to do it with thanksgiving. To present your requests. So this is how we're supposed to pray in every situation, by prayer and petition. 
with thanksgiving. Let's go on. The next thing is, is to focus on who is God. And the one after that is, is slices of biblical prayers. So these are two things that strengthen, and I'm going to kind of handle them together because they blend. We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read that section to you. See if you can, let's go one more slide. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. He's focusing on who God is. When was the last time you were in Bible study and someone started off by praying with a focus on who God is and didn't jump to write what we need? Paul's teaching us to focus on the things that, of God, not just the things we need. Let's go on. Verse 20, at the very end, he closes in the same way. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is within us. I love this verse. Years ago, we did a prayer focus at Lakewood, and I, I'm still wearing the, this is about my fifth, I'm still wearing the bracelet that says immeasurably more. Now, I know about you, but when I think of immeasurably more, that's pretty big. And it goes on to say, then we can ask or imagine. Now, I have, it's not good English, but I have a pretty good imaginer. And so we're praying to him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. It's not just like the stronger, bigger person you work with. If you're a middle child, your older brother or older sister is smart and skilled, it's not just their capacity. We're actually talking to God who can do more than we can ask or imagine. It's kind of a cool reservoir. It's like, it's like someone who's rich, skilled, smart, and they want to help you. Those are the kind of people we should petition. And according to his power, there's a work within us. I love the idea that Paul's teaching us at the end of his prayer, after he asks things, to go back to say, to say this is who we're praying. The focus is on God. The focus isn't on Paul. The focus isn't on not what he needs. The focus here is on who God is. And our prayers need to have a focus of who God is. Also, I think our hearts need that. For me to have a stronger prayer life, if I just think God's just like a little stronger than one of my friends, why pray? Because I, I could just ask my friend. He could do it for me. Instead, we need to remember who God is. And I love that this verse in the next verse, verse 21, verse 21 says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Could we go to 21, please, the next slide? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If we're praying on Wednesday night for something and someone had this memorized, wouldn't that be a cool way to close? You know, just before you say in Jesus' name, amen, you just go, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Paul gives us great ammunition to learn how to pray. I don't think we use it. I know I haven't. I want to have the courage to use these words. Okay, let's go on. Okay, we're going to take a look at, at verse 16. So if you can go ahead to verse 16, please. This is the meat. So in Paul's prayer from 14 through 21, there's the focus on 
who God is and praising God and worshiping God at the beginning and the end. And then there's the meat in the middle. In verse 16 it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that you may, sorry, I can't do that, so that you may, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I love the fact that he's giving us things we can pray. I want to be strengthened in my inner being. If you want to pray for me, if you have a friend who's a believer, you could pray that God would strengthen them in their inner being with his power, not our power, not the, no offense, not the puny strength that we have, but the actual power of God that someone would be strengthened in their inner being. Wouldn't it be a privilege if one of your friends came up to you and said, you know, I've been praying for you this year, and I, I memorized this verse, and this is what I've been praying for you for. I think just to be a warm smile inside of you, even if it didn't hit your face, it would be awesome if someone would pray this for you. And if someone's got cancer, we need to pray for that. And if someone's sick or losing their job or all those kinds of things, we need to pray for those things. But we also need to learn from biblical prayers and pray those things as well. What if all of you found your favorite prayer in the Bible, memorized a little tiny piece of it, and started using that even when you prayed quietly and then occasionally out loud and started praying prayers for people from biblical basis, not just the things we see, but the things we don't always see. And Paul's given us a great example here in 14 through 21 of how to focus on God and how to pray for things that are on God's agenda. Verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ. I want to say is, but is the love of Christ. Even if you know someone who is wrestling with, do I believe with God? Take that last section and go, pray that they would grasp the love of Christ. If you want to add to that, you can say, pray that they would really understand the depth, the breadth, the size of, of the love of Christ. This would be a great prayer to pray for someone who's not a believer. So pray for all of the things we know, but let's add biblical prayers. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, if you want to pray for me for 10 years, just pray that. I would love that. Wouldn't it be cool to know someone's been praying that you are more rooted and established in love? My work is done, you know? It would be awesome if someone would pray that. And, and we have the opportunity to pray these things. I know for me, I don't always do this. One of the things that this book has taught me is to think about transforming my prayer and adding biblical prayers. I don't always know how to do that. I don't always know how to worship God. So one day I was like, God, I want to worship you while I'm praying. So I said, teach me, God. Please help me. The disciples said, Lord, teach me to pray. It's not, especially for men, it's not wrong to ask for directions. You can fight with me later. It's not wrong to ask God to teach you to pray. And if you're not sure how to worship God, I think prayer and worship go together. If you're not sure, say, God, teach me how to weave in worship. I don't get worshiping in prayer. That seems vague. That seems weird. Like, do I put my hands up? Do I sing? Do I? How do I do that? Ask God to teach you. He has a vested interest in your connection with him. He wants a strong connection with you. But I love this. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ. Let's look at the next verse, verse 19. And verse 19 in Ephesians 3 says, And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. You could pray that for someone who doesn't know you, know Christ. Lord, teach them to know you. Teach them about who you are. Teach them about the fullness of you. So my, my comment on the strengthening is build a good foundation. Is include worship. Include words about who God is. Don't just ask for stuff, but focus on God. And then add biblical slices of prayer. Memorize four words. And then use that when you pray for someone, a neighbor, a friend, someone you're worried about. As I said, uh, as I said the book that I've been reading, there's a quote from that book. Could we go to the quote, please? Daniel Henderson says this, and I thought this was really good. Paul's requests were focused on the, on the growing faith and love of the believers with the goal of God's glory. To be really honest, sometimes when I've prayed, the goal is to get myself out of trouble. The goal is to fix the stuff in my life. I want to learn to pray for God's glory. I want to learn to have my requests focused on a growing faith of the believers. So we talked about things that weaken. There are things that we can, even not knowingly, slide into that weaken our prayer life. There are definitely things that are strengthening. For me, Galatians 5.1 is freedom. That Christ set me free. I don't have to feel the regret I used to feel when someone's talking about prayer. I actually want to hear about prayer. Because I'm asking God to teach me about prayer. I don't have it all figured out. I'm asking him to teach me. One of the things I would encourage you to do, and I don't know if God's spoken to you, if his word has stirred your heart, or if you've just sat politely and listened. But I would ask you, to ask for God for courage to take one action step. At the bottom of your sermon notes, it actually says an action step. If you want to write one thing down, feel free to do that. But today, I would encourage you not to take on everything, but to take on one thing that you can do to change, to grow, to step away from a weak and step into stronger. Maybe the first step is to evaluate, do you have weak tendencies? And then to see what to do with that. I don't know where you're at. But if God is speaking to you, I would encourage you to listen. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for plowing things up in my life. Thank you for teaching me that sometimes I'm bossy with you. I'm ashamed of that. I treat you some ways that you don't deserve to be treated, and you still love me. You still want me in your family. Father, please help us. Please help us to build a foundation that matters for prayer. Please help us to not just think of prayer as an emergency situation, but as connection with you, is aligning our heart to be more like you. God, I want to be more like you. Please help me. Please help us to seek you. Please give us courage to do something about seeking you today. In your name we pray. Amen.